today on Ag News Daily. Our, our production, you know, we, is not necessarily just grown in our marketing area. So we, it's very important for us on the soybean side, we, we grow a lot of it in Iowa, but for corn, we've got it spread out all over the Midwest. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. It's Ashton Carr on the podcast today with Delaney Howell, and I come bearing some good news, at least good news for me, at least, and the farmers and ranchers around the Lubbock area, but we got some rain today and very cool temperatures. We actually got rain here as well, but you know, I was talking to some farmers around the Shelby, Nebraska area this morning. I was talking to one, I should say, this morning, and he's saying things out in his area are looking very hot, very dry. So I think a lot of farmers are looking for some rain, a little reprieve there from all this heat that they have been facing. Absolutely. And, you know, who knows if we will get it. Maybe we'll have to have somebody come on the podcast and talk about the weather and what to expect with harvest coming up here in a few weeks. Absolutely. But speaking of weather, Ashton, we also got yesterday's weekly crop progress reports released and we saw corn and soybeans, their good to excellent conditions as of Saturday, or excuse me, as of Sunday, August 30th, we saw them drop two percentage points in the nation's corn crop. And this is tied for the fifth highest rating for this time of year over the past 10 years. We saw Iowa drop pretty substantially, about five percentage points lost. And on the soybean side of things, we also saw conditions decline there as well. Three percentage points down now to about 66% of the nation's soybean crop rated good to excellent. So starting to see a little bit of results here, starting to see you know, some weather factors being taken in and 45% of the nation's corn crop in Iowa rated good to excellent. So definitely starting to see some weather concerns there. Absolutely, Delaney. And we will continue to keep an eye on the crop as we gear up for harvest. But in other news, I have seen this headline come across today about China suspending barley imports from Australia's largest grain exporter. And I've been following along a little bit with Australia and China and and the tension growing between the two countries. But China said earlier today that it had suspended barley imports from Australia's grain exporter. And China's General Administration of Customs said barley shipments from CBH grain would be halted after pests were found on multiple occasions. And they said that on their official WeChat account, and representatives from CBH grain did not immediately respond to requests for comment. But I will continue to keep an eye on when they might lift this suspension and continue to look out to see if China suspends anything else from Australia because they have suspended a couple of things within the past few weeks. Okay, well, it seems like China is uh, putting some laws down, laying the law down with a few different countries now, including, of course, the United States. But we did see, as I mentioned yesterday on the podcast, that China once again stepped in and bought some new crop U.S. corn, more specifically here 596,000 tons after last week's 747,000 tons of U.S. corn. And so 
this overnight purchase was, you know, really about showing the efforts that they're making towards the phase one trade agreement. And Secretary Purdue told some folks, those national um, agriculture sec- secretaries from all across the United States on Monday that he expects China conti- to continue buying heavily from the United States until the Brazilian crop comes in early next year. So that does, like Andrew Setzer was mentioning yesterday, give us a pretty good window here to get some crop exported as combines start to hit the field. And Secretary Purdue, as I mentioned there, was on a call yesterday with the different folks representing agriculture across other states, also known as the National Association of State Departments of Agriculture. On Monday, they were hosting a video call and quite a few different heads of agriculture for each state were pushing Secretary Purdue to find out, you know, what's the timeline for getting some sort of next disaster package? You know, we're looking at the derecho storm in the Midwest, We saw the Louisiana commissioner hop on yesterday and talking about all the impacts they've seen from Hurricane Laura last week in Louisiana. He said, you know, that the coastal area, the coastal area of Louisiana was left with almost a hundred percent destruction. And he said that there are complete cattle herds that were just wiped out completely, as well as other structural damages, barns, equipment, et cetera, just like what we're seeing here in Iowa. He also said that about one-third of Louisiana's rice crop and sugarcane fields have not been harvested and remain flooded, so there is a concern that they're maybe not going to be able to get in there and get that crop harvested at at any point this year with that uh, flooding still going on. And so Secretary Purdue answered those folks and said that USDA is still trying to assess how much funding is available from that WIP Plus or that Wildfire and Hurricane Indemnity Program that was supposed to cover disasters from 2018 and 2019. He said they're working very closely with Congress right now to figure out what to do specifically with Iowa's situation and Louisiana's hurricane situation. So he said he wouldn't be surprised if Congress does provide some sort of extension to that WIP Plus for 2020 disasters specifically. So He said that hopefully crop insurance is kicking for those farmers. They're somewhat protected on that front, but it does sound like the government will step in and help folks there as well. Well, that is certainly good news to hear that we're trying to see our government step in and help those folks. But Tillamook is also trying to step in and help farmers. Delaney, have you heard of Tillamook? Do you guys hear? Yes, I am a I'm a big fan of their cheeses. Awesome. I love their ice cream personally. I have a big sweet tooth. But Tillamook County Creamery Association is stepping up to help farmers that are in need. Throughout September, 10% of sales, which is up to $1.6 million from Tillamook products, will go toward grants that will save farms and farmland, provide financial relief directly to farmers, and support sound farming practices. And TCCA President and CEO Patrick Kreiser at Tillamook was quoted as saying, at Tillamook, our purpose is to nourish lives in a growing world, and we want to support all farmers who share that mission. We are launching the Tillamook All for Farmers campaign and grant program by partnering with American Farmland Trust and Farm Work 
advocate, Eva Longoria, to raise awareness and dollars to help farmers survive a multi-year downturn and thrive in the future. Yeah, that is really neat that they're stepping in. I've seen a couple different, you know, private and public companies stepping in to help out farmers during this time. So it's really nice to see that happen, especially since obviously they work with farmers very closely being in the dairy business. Absolutely. And I am certainly excited to see so many public and private companies, as you said, Delaney, really step in and help out farmers, ranchers, producers, whatever you want to call it in their time of need. Absolutely. But hopefully... We will continue to see favorable commodity prices, which also help farmers. What do you say, Ashton? Should we take a look at today's markets? Let's do it, Delaney. Well, I tell you what, we had gains in all of the grain markets today, which was favorable for those folks who are still needing to price some cash bushels for the 2020 crop. Kicking things off here to look, though, however, at the September old crop contract, added a penny today to close at 349.5. December just closed a quarter of a cent higher to close at 358 even. In the soybean pits, the September contract added three and three quarter cents today to close at 955, while the November added just a penny and a quarter to close at 954 and three quarters. In the wheat pits, September contract added 11.5 cents today to close at 555 and three quarters. The December closed up 11 and three quarters cents today to close at 564 even. Hopping over to take a look at the livestock pits, the green continues as we look at the October live cattle contract adding 17 and a half cents today to close at 105.47 and a half. The December up 17 and a half as well to close at 109.15. In the feeder cattle pits, the September contract pulled back just slightly today to close down 17 and a half cents at 140.12. The October added two cents to close at 140.65. In the October lean hog contract, up $1.42 to close at $55.02. The December added $0.65 cents today to close at $55.77. Rounding out our markets with the Class 3 milk futures, September contract added 17 pennies today to close at $15.85. The October added $0.36 cents to close at $18.22. Without further ado, Ashton, tell us who we're talking to for today's Tech Tuesday interview. Today, we are talking to President of Latham High Tech Seeds, John Latham. Today on the podcast, we have President of Latham High Tech Seeds, John Latham. And listeners, if you do remember, Latham was a sponsor of ours. And so Latham High Tech Seeds has been on the podcast a couple of times, but John, Before we get started, why don't you give our listeners a little bit of a refresher of what Latham High Tech Seeds is and introduce yourself to those listeners who haven't been able to listen to one of those podcast episodes. Yeah, well, thank you. Uh, Really proud of the heritage we have with our company. Uh, My grandfather started our business back in 1947, and we've kind of evolved. We started out in oats evolved into soybeans. And then uh, for over the last 16 years, we've been corn, soybeans, and alfalfa. And really proud uh, to be the third generation in the seed business and uh, carry on my grandfather, my father's uh, heritage. Well, awesome. And so today, I want to talk to you guys a little bit more, or to you specifically, about your mini strip trials that you guys are doing. So can you give us a little bit of a background on what the mini strip trials are? Yeah, for for Latham, we are an independent company, family-owned business. 
And for us, being independent is very important because we work with all the different trait providers in the industry, a lot of different genetic providers as well. And for us, we want to be able to test products that work in our marketing area. And Latham markets in Iowa, Minnesota, Wisconsin, uh, Nebraska, and the Dakotas is our primary focus. And so we're looking for the best products for those specific areas. So we've got research both on the corn and soybean side of things, which is replicated research. And we'll put uh, all the genetics and traits that we can find in those different uh, situations. And for us, we're looking for products that work just in our marketing area, um, maybe against iron chlorosis or soybean cyst nematode, or if it's corn, it might be Goss's wilt or uh, an affliction that that folks in our area are, are handling. And that's why our mini strip program is so important. We can find those products that work extremely well. And then if it, if it goes well, we'll put it in the first trials as well, which is completely independent. And we'll, we'll bring forth the best products just for, just for our customers. So for us, the, the research that we invest in really pays off in products that work right here in, in our Latham area. So what kind of new technologies or products did you test this season? You know, for us, there, uh, the corn side has been, as far as technology, a lot of new genetics all the time, but not a lot of just brand new uh, biotech technology on the corn side. But on soybeans, it's crazy right now with, you know, we've been a proud promoter of Roundup Ready Extend and that technology. And then now over the last year or two, the E3 soybeans have come on. And so we also have Liberty Link soybeans. We've got Roundup Ready 2. We're hopeful that um, Extend Flex gets approved. So we've got a lot of different technologies to work with. And another reason why our research program is so important, we can test products against each other. If we were owned by a major provider and just use their technology, we wouldn't we wouldn't have access to all the different options we do. So it's really important for us to remain independent and then to invest in research and find products that really work well for our customers in our marketing area. Absolutely, John. And it sounds like y'all are doing some really great stuff. Love hearing from independent technology companies, but I want to take things over to your pollination windows. Now, I read in an article that you guys published on your website, LathamSeeds.com, about pairing hybrids in fields with varying pollination windows. So can you speak just a little bit more about those pollination windows and how you find the best times to pair hybrids? Yeah, for us, for production, um, you know, the, the thing for us is we, our, our production you know, we, is not necessarily just grown in our marketing area. So we, it's very important for us on the soybean side, we, we grow a lot of it in Iowa, but for corn, we've got it spread out all over the Midwest and we've got irrigated, uh, irrigated uh, that we can uh, spray on. So if we get a drought, we're, we're settled. And then also if we have something like the Dreco came that came through a few weeks ago, we're not going to be wiped out because we've really spread out our risk. So it's really important, yeah, also to, to get the right uh, window there as far as uh, the different inbreds. And and for us, we work with a lot of different companies. And that's that's part of the reason why our corn business has grown so much over the last 16 years. We've had a lot of success there. And kind of just the strategy of how we, how we go about things uh, has really paid off for us. So taking things back to your mini strip trials, what results have you guys seen so far? And when will you 
evaluate final results. Yeah, and we haven't gotten, we haven't harvested anything yet, any mini strips yet, but boy, I was out today and think the soybeans are turning fast. Uh, we've been really dry in Northern Iowa, and I think harvest is going to be moved up because of that. Um, luckily in Minnesota, some of our folks in Minnesota and the Dakotas, they've actually had some, in some cases, too much rain, but for us, we're dry. And so you'll see, I'd say in the next couple of weeks, you'll, we'll start harvesting now, in the meantime, we're taking a lot of notes on products. We've got our product managers out taking notes, trying to, to see what products are moving along faster than others and looking at new products. But, you know, it, it'll really come to here really shortly when, when harvest starts rolling. And uh, then, then we can evaluate products on a yield basis. And that's the, my favorite time of year is looking at products and evaluating, seeing those new products that might be the next Latham Superstar. So when you're talking about these next Latham superstars, what is the turnover time for, for products? So you're testing mini trial products right now. What would be, you know, when we could see these products on the shelf whenever you do finalize those results? Yeah, it kind of depends on the product where it's at in the life cycle. Uh, sometimes we'll start looking at a product and maybe three or four years out before it could come to market. But then we've got others that are really close to being commercialized and we need one more look at them. And so th some of these products that we're looking at right now could could come into the mark into our lineup this next year. So really kind of depends on where they're at. And then also sometimes where we've got a hole, if we've got a superstar, you know, we're not looking as much in that area where if we've got an area where we're looking for something, we may advance something a little sooner. So uh, it's always fun to, to try to fit the lineup and get exactly what our customers are looking for in each of the maturity zones. Well, John, I'm super excited to see how harvest goes for you guys. And I'll definitely be keeping up with the mini strip trials. But before I let you go, why don't you tell our listeners where they can find you guys online? Yeah, we'd love to have you. We do a great job of social media. You can find us on Facebook and Twitter, but, but anybody can go to www.lathamseeds.com and we've got a lot of videos. In fact, we're doing our uh, virtual field day starting this next week, uh, September 8th through the 10th. So pay attention to our website and then other social media outlets, Latham Seeds, and, and uh, we've got some great content. Really, really excited about that. Well, again, folks, that's John Latham, president of Latham High Tech Seeds. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. You bet. No problem. Thanks for having me. Again, a wonderful conversation that I had with president of Latham High Tech Seeds, John Latham. Certainly excited to see what their mini strip. I Sorry, I stumbled over that. <clears throat> Certainly excited to see what their mini strip trials bring, and I hope that they have a harvest that is pretty successful. And I am waiting to see if these mini strip trials, what what their results bring to the Latham shelves. Yeah, absolutely. They are have always been a good good friend of the Agnews Daily Podcast, so it's great to have them back on and get a little update with what they're doing in the fields. 
Of course, Delaney. And we are always staying updated, not only with agriculture technology, but all things going on in the agriculture industry. And you can keep up with that on our social media pages at Ag News Daily on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And of course, on our website at agnewsdaily.com. With that, Delaney, should we let the people go? Let's let them go.